Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. As we have seen, as we study King Saul, he was in crisis mode. So the challenge for us is how do we respond in times of crisis, stress, and hardship? We can learn a lot about ourselves by studying how Saul reacted. Sometimes we can learn about what to do and about what not to do. Saul was more on the negative side. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel 42 years. And Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah and Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. And then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Sand on the seashore. That's like shells on the seashore. Yeah, it's hard to say. Where am I? Oh, yeah. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. And when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets and among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. And some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replies, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the said time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin and Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. Now we know that all of us will go through times of crisis, adversity, and difficulty in our lives. And how well we respond to these crises will determine the kind of life we're going to live and what kind of person we're going to be. And so for the sake of the review, let's go through the first four points that we studied last week. Number one, Saul sees his support slipping away. The men of Saul's army are now beginning to scatter. How do we respond when we see our support network slipping away? Sometimes it will seem like we are losing those around us and that we are on our own. And in those times, we must encourage and strengthen ourselves in the Lord which is not what Saul did. And the next thing Saul considers is number two, God seems late in coming. I think we've all experienced that as well. We've been in crisis. 
We've prayed. Where's God? See, the prophet Samuel set the time of seven days when he'd come and offered the sacrifice. And so Saul was clearly instructed to wait until the set time. Now, it had been seven days, like Samuel said, but Samuel wasn't there yet. Still, Saul had been told to wait. Wait until I get there. It'll be seven days. Wait until I get there and I will make the sacrifice. That was from Samuel. So when things are delayed or your prayers haven't been answered yet, it is so difficult to wait on God, especially when the clock is ticking. A decision has to be made. God, where are you? But so often in Scripture, we are commanded to wait for the right time. When things are delayed and, and your prayers haven't been answered, it's a challenge for us to continue to wait and wait and wait. God's timing is rarely the same as our timing. And there really is a right time for everything. God orders it. Look at Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8 and verse 11. This was turned into a, a song by the birds, I think, back in the 60s. Am I right? Am I showing my age? Yes. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. How I many you know you don't want to get those mixed up? A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And we drop down to verse 11. This is what it's all about. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Obviously, time is very important to God. And sometimes crisis comes because we're doing the right thing at the wrong time. It's a time to grieve and we're laughing. That can be very awkward. Sometimes crisis comes because of that. We may be doing the right thing, but at the wrong time. But if we give it time, if we, if we wait for the appointed time, if we wait on God, he will make all things beautiful in its time. We have to trust in this. We have to believe in this. It may look ugly right now. Your circumstances may seem impossible, but if we will wait on the Lord and if we will respond at the right time, he will make all things beautiful. Even in this life, but also in the life to come. We don't understand. We rush. We get ahead of God. And instead of making things beautiful, we make things uglier. But God has promised that if we understand the times, and if we respond at the right time in the right way, he will make it beautiful. Some things won't be settled until the end of time. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. 
There is an appointed time that the Lord has already set. And some things are not going to happen in this life. Some things we're asking of God and praying for will be settled at the end of time when Jesus comes back. And so we, mean, we need to remain faithful until he returns. And so the challenge for us is how do we respond when things aren't happening according to our time frame? How did Saul respond? Number three, Saul assumed the worst. So Saul is, Samuel's not there. And so Saul thinks that the Philistines are going to attack him. The enemy's closing in. And he lets his worry and fear get the best of him. When we're in crisis or difficulty, we sometimes assume the worst. We want to assume the worst so we won't be disappointed. And yet, when we assume the worst, we live in it until it happens. And it may never happen. And yet, we still live in it. We can't let our anxiety or our vain imaginations get the best of us. Our mind goes wild on what might happen. We could lose everything. Oh, no. I'm going to die. We, we get the worst case scenario. And we let that worry and that fear get a hold of us. I'm here to tell you, God does not want his people to be afraid. Now, what happens is going to happen. God is in control. There's a time for life and there's a time for death. But we trust in the Lord no matter what happens. Because his timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. He never misses it by a second. And because Saul sees his support slipping away and it seems that God is late and, and he's assuming the worst, number four, he thinks he can force God's favor. We can seek God's favor, but we can't force it. We can't use sacrifices to manipulate God to do something. That's what Saul was doing. He made the sacrifice because he thought, there's, if I make the sacrifice, God has to do a certain thing. I mean, you know, God does not have to do anything we expect him to do. He is God, we are not. And we're not in a place to tell God what to do. We're not in a place to try to manipulate him through sacrifices. Oh, if I'm good enough, God has to come through for me. God is God. And we are not. And so that was all review. How's that? All free, right there. Now, here's the sermon for today. <laughs> Number five. Saul panics and feels compelled to do something. For some unknown reason, Samuel was delayed in coming. And so Saul felt pressured within himself and pressure from the outside to do something. Do anything. Come on, do something. And so he feels compelled to offer the burnt sacrifice himself. He takes matters into his own hands. I want you to understand, doing something is not always better than doing nothing. I know we've said do something, doing something is better than doing nothing. Not all the time. I mean, no, we can make it worse. But I've, I've been in that situation before where I don't know what to do and I feel pressured. Just do something. Look busy. Right? We figure we got to take matters into our own hands just to try to manipulate this thing. And so Saul says, I felt compelled. You notice how he's putting the blame on other people? Well, my soldiers are sneaking away and you were late, Samuel. 
And if it weren't for the soldiers sneaking away and you being late, I wouldn't have had to offer the sacrifice. But he said he felt compelled because Samuel was late and everybody was slipping away. Let's look at this word compelled in the Hebrew. It's apok, and it means to force oneself into doing something. Saul felt forced into doing something. He felt forced in himself. When God seems late in delivering us, we sometimes feel compelled to do something, anything, just make it look like it. And when there's delay, we're, we're tempted to take charge of it, to take it into our own hands. God's not doing nothing, so i got to fix it. Aaron did that very thing. When there was a delay, the people told him, do something. And he did. Let's look at it. Exodus 32, verse 1 in the Message Bible. When the people realized that Moses was taking forever. Guys, it's like when your wife you know, says she's going to be ready in five minutes. But the flip side of that is when you're watching the football game and say, it's, there's only five minutes left in the game. Jolene's learned there's a difference between real time and football time. So we're equally guilty. Taking forever. See, Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Where is this guy? He's taking forever and coming down off the mountain. They rallied around Aaron and said, do something. They were tired of waiting. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, that Moses dude. Who knows what's happened to him? He's been gone on the mountain with God for so long. Who knows? Make us gods ourselves. Isn't that what happens? If, if God's not doing what we want, we fashion gods ourselves. Not literally, but we take things into our own hands. And not knowing what to do is a miserable feeling, isn't it? When you don't know what to do. It may be on your job or with your family. You're in a crisis. You don't know what to do. God, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And we wonder, why isn't God telling me? However, doing the wrong thing is not better than doing nothing. Sometimes we panic in difficult times and in crisis and we feel pressured to do something in our own strength instead of waiting on God. It's the hardest thing to do, wait on God. And we are commanded by God not to panic in times of crisis and conflict and difficulty. Look at Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours which God always did so that Israel wouldn't trust in their army but trust in God. Do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. And when you're about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. You see, we, we get out ahead of God because we think we can fix it. But we usually make it worse. Panicking is the worst thing we can do when we don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do, don't panic. 
While we are waiting, how many of you know God is working? We sing that song. While we're waiting, God is working. He's always working, always working. And when we leave things in the Lord's hands, things will work out. However, when we take things into our hands, we mess it up. I remember when I was like four or five years old. Remember this? I don't know why I remember certain things so vividly. And, uh, you know, I know now why my life is so complicated with so many strange stories. It's for your sake. <laughs> so you can laugh at me and not have to laugh at yourself. But I distinctly remember about four or five years old, my oldest brother, he was a teenager at the time, my oldest brother, Mark, built the coolest model airplane and had it on this display stand. It was a World War II plane. It was so cool and so tempting. He showed me, if you push a button, then the propeller turns. Push the button, the propellers turn. Whoa. And then he showed me if you push another button, the bomb bay doors open up and a bomb falls out. Not a real bomb, a plastic bomb. Even cooler. Not only did the propeller turn, but they, you could drop a bomb. And so he told me, whenever you want to see this, let me know and I'll show you. But don't touch it. Don't play with it yourself. Well, one time he wasn't home. And I felt compelled. Just like King Saul. Well, my brother Mark's not here. He can't show me. I want to see the propeller turn. I want to see the bomb drop. And so I played with it, I took it in my own hands, and broke it. Of course, I didn't tell him. But he when he found out, he figured it out. And I was hoping it would either fix itself or he wouldn't find out and he found out and he was not happy. In God's hands, things work. In our hands, we break them like a small, uncoordinated child that I was. We must leave certain things in that Lord's hands. I know there's a time to act. We, we respond to God's command. That's when we're to act. When God gives a command, when he speaks to us, that's when we act. But in the meantime, we wait. We leave things in the Lord's hands. I have found I cannot change anyone. I have tried. And we, you know, I, I firmly believe when we try to change someone or recreate them, we turn them into Frankensteins. Green skin, bolts in their necks, scars all over. We're not the creator. And so when we're tempted to change things, I'm here to tell you, you can't change anyone. But when you pray, God can. God can change a heart. God can change someone. I'm telling you, there, there's a time to back off and let God work. And sometimes we may have a wayward child or a grandchild and we're praying for them to come back to the Lord, but we're enabling them the whole time. We're bailing them out. Sometimes you've got to step back and let God bring discipline. Because only God can change a heart. And in God's hands, He works all things together for good, our good. 
Saul felt like he was on his own, but he wasn't. God was with him. But that wasn't enough for Saul, so he panics and he feels compelled to do something. Consequently, number six on your notes, he acts foolishly. Instead of waiting for Samuel, Saul offers the sacrifice himself. Now you say, what's the big deal? It is a big deal. You see, there were three leadership offices in the Old Testament. There was prophet, priest, and king. As king, it wasn't Saul's place to offer the sacrifice. Samuel was both a prophet and a priest. That was only for the prophet or the priest to make the sacrifice. And whenever a king tried to assume the role of prophet and priest, it became problematic. When a king overstepped his bounds and sought to foolishly usurp the authority of a prophet or priest, it never went well. Take King Uzziah, for example. Never have dedicated a baby named Uzziah. Work on that, somebody. (laughs) Maybe a middle name. Just throw it in there. King Uzziah, he started out well. He was only 16 years old when he came to the throne. He was a king of Judah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And whenever he sought the Lord, the Lord gave him success. Because that's all God promised. Obey me and I'll bless you. However, in time, the blessing went to Uzziah's head. And in time, his power, he became power hungry and proud and he exceeded his authority. Look at 2 Chronicles 26, 16. This is such a, I know it's a long text, but it's such an awesome story. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Yep. It's usually what happens. Pride leads to a fall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted him and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord your God. This is bold, because the king could have them killed. And so they spoke to the king. In verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, Leprosy broke out on his forehead. And when Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. And King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Wow, what a story. Here's another king trying to take the role of the priest. And it blew up. How many know God has certain places for each one of us? And we need to stay in our lane. We need to know what God has called us to do. No matter how powerful a person may be, God is still the highest authority. King Uzziah thought he was in charge. He he got bored with being a king and thought he'd try to be a priest. And while he's ranting and raving and yelling at the priests, leprosy's 
shows up on his head, and now he's ready to leave. Just as Saul finishes the sacrifice, Samuel shows up. Wouldn't you know it? If he had only waited, if Saul just had waited a little bit longer, all would have been well. Instead, Saul acted foolishly. The word acted foolishly in the Hebrew is sakal. And it means to act without thinking because of an attitude of self-reliance. Boy, that's a great definition of foolishness. To act without thinking because of your own self-reliance. When we are impatient and panic and take matters into our hands, we end up acting foolishly. We are depending upon ourselves instead of God. When a crisis comes in our lives, do we, do we react impulsively? And do we act without thinking because an attitude, I got this. I'm going to tell you, never say that. I got this. God's got this. That's better. That's what we got to say. God's got this. I don't have this. Many times, just after we take matters into our own hands, God shows up. And Saul panics and acts foolishly. And as a result, number seven, he disobeys God's commands. Unfortunately, this is only the first of many acts of disobedience that Saul would commit. I don't want to go any further here because I want to develop this importance of obedience in our sermon next Sunday. I want you to know that when we obey, we are blessed. And it's, but sometimes we don't understand what obedience really means, and so I want to develop that later. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. You're not here by accident. You're here by God's design. You've tried to live life on your own. How's that working out? <laughs> if you will give your life to Jesus Christ, not only will he forgive you of your sins, he will work out your life. He'll give you a purpose and a calling. But the first step is you. You gotta come and say, Lord, I need you. I'm ready to give my life to you. And so if there's anyone here today that you're ready to give your life to Christ, or maybe you had walked with the Lord and at a time, but you know you've fallen away. You're not where you belong. Let me tell you something. There's something going on in the world right now. This invasion from Russia is figuring into end times prophecy. Now's the time to be right with God. Amen? Now's the time to get right with God. And so this may sound a little strong, but I want to encourage you. We are not promised tomorrow. And things are happening on a world stage. And so today is the day of your salvation. If you want to give your life to Christ or you want to come back home to the Lord, would you raise your hand? Anyone in this place? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. You want to be right with the Lord? Amen. Hands all over the room. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. It's a simple prayer. There's no magic in the words. There's power in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask those that raised their hands and, and all the other Christians in our room today to, to join with you in prayer. And so if you want to come back to the Lord, you want to be right with God, you know that you need to be with the Lord 
and you're ready to surrender all to God, then please join me and repeat these words. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you're coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive you into my heart and life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the new life on earth and a new life in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to encourage you, we want to help you on your journey. And so if you can just take the card in front of you and fill that out and check the box that you've given your life to Christ and just drop that in the offering box as you leave or you can come forward. I'm going to ask the elders to come forward at this time. If you need prayer or if you've prayed that prayer of salvation, you got to tell somebody. The Bible says we got to tell somebody. we got a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. That's a great time to let everyone know you're going to serve Jesus. Would you stand with me today? And if you need prayer, there are people here to pray with you. But I would ask if, if you would keep your conversation to the foyer so that those that are here worshiping won't be disturbed. I want to speak this over you. If you're, if you're struggling today, if you're in crisis, if you're feeling a sense of panic, if you're struggling with God's timing, then I just want to bless you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.